0: Hello, hello, and welcome back to the Plant Powered People podcast with your hosts, Michelle Kane and Tony Okamoto. Today, we're delighted to bring on to the show Deanne Thompson. She is a longtime vegan and is also very active in her church and her small group and her faith community. And um, she's coming on the show to talk a little bit about religion and how that applies to her vegan lifestyle. I personally am non-religious. I grew up Jewish. I am Jewish, but more culturally, I um, am otherwise uh, identify as atheist. But this is a topic that I have encountered a lot over over the years of being vegan, and it's something that I wish I could communicate better on, and something that I would love to uh, get more knowledge and understanding about is um, religion, veganism, animals, and how that all relates to the Bible. I have spent a lot of my past year reading religious books that were all top sellers,
1: and they were really good and inspiring, and it was not something I grew up with, so I found it especially intriguing. I just had no idea. And then we brought on some people into our lives. Uh, For example, Karen Brockway, who was in our episode um, of the New Year Challenge that we did, and also Raul from our documentary, which can be seen at 7 they both talked about how faith was so powerful in driving them to plant-based eating. And we thought, wow, that's a, a great concept. And if there are other people listening who feel that connection with their faith and want to feel inspired, Deanne is a great person to share her experiences. She has done such a great job of creating this really inclusive group that uh, supports plant-based eating in her church. And yeah, she's just great. And we hope you love this episode as much as we do. Hi, Deanne. Thanks so
0: much for joining us today. Yes. Thanks for having me. We're so excited you're here to talk about something that we have not yet talked about on the podcast.
1: Yeah. And I feel like it's something that's really important, but first, before we even dive into any of what we brought you on the show for, we want to know a little bit about yourself. So can you take
2: us from the beginning and tell us where you are right now? Yeah. Yeah. With just kind of like with my vegan sort of walk.
1: Just in general, what are you, what do you do for a job? What do you do for your life? Um, What are you into? And then we'll get a little bit further into how you became vegan in a minute.
2: Um, So yeah. So right now um, I'm talking to you from Venice, California And I am the Faith Outreach Manager at the Humane Society of the United States. And um, I kind of got here, you know, just sort of kind of the marriage of two of my life passions, which is my faith, um, Christianity, and, you know, helping animals and um, being an advocate for them. So um, that's kind of what brought me here. And uh, and yeah, I can tell you more about my childhood if you want to. Yeah. Where did you grow up? Uh, I grew up in Minnesota. Cold. That is cold. <laughs> it is.
1: And what was your family life like? Did you grow up um, going to church always? Did you grow up vegetarian? What was that like?
2: Yeah, so I was raised Catholic um, and we definitely were meat eaters in the Midwest. And I mean, I would remember growing up on, you know, eating meatloaf and pork chops and tuna casserole and all those things. And, um, my parents, you know, my mom lovingly made dinners every night, um, thinking, you know, that's, um, that was the best thing for us at the time. And so, uh, it wasn't until I was like, I think I was 14, I was in ninth grade. And I remember my friend, um, in the hallway handed me this card and it was a PETA card and it said, it talked about fur. Um, and I just remember that picture of, you know, it, um, a coyote, it was like trapped in a steel jaw leg hoed trap. And I just remember thinking, wow, I had no idea what was happening to animals. And that was just like, I learned about the fur industry. And I guess from there, I must've like gone, I must've learned more about PETA after that. And I learned about how, you know, animals are impacted in really every industry of our society society. society. And I went vegetarian, you know, in Minnesota. And um, it was, it was interesting at the time, you know.
1: Hey, Dion, how old were you at that time? Um, I was 14. Mm -hmm. So you went vegetarian and then, and then what?
2: Yeah. So then I just got really active for animals. I'd always loved animals, but I really realized, you know, the scope of the issues at that time. So I started, you know, volunteering at the local animal shelter. um, And then once I was on you know, once I went to college, the University of Wisconsin, I helped co-start this um, animal rights sort of group on campus called SCAR, Student Coalition for Animal Rights. And we just got really involved. I was doing, you know, protests at KFC and uh, circus demos and just promoting, you know, meatless meals and things like that.
1: And how did your family feel? You know, you you grew up eating pork chops and meatloaf uh, when you were like, hey, I'm 14, I'm a vegetarian. How did your mom take that?
2: Yeah, I was very fortunate to have very, very wonderful, sweet, um, supportive parents. And I don't remember it being a problem. You know, I think she she was concerned, of course. She didn't know kind of the health um, impacts. And so she was, of course, worried I wasn't getting all the things I needed to get. But um, they were very supportive. And, um, yeah, I mean, we would I would eat a lot of side dishes and <laughs> things like that. But they were they were really sweet they even they even moved from a catholic church to a non-denominational christian church with me in high school so they're definitely open-minded parents
1: uh, to those of us who don't really know what that means i i personally grew up non-religious and i don't really know the difference uh, can you explain why that change is so significant
2: um yeah i think catholicism is just very ingrained in um people who follow that. So you don't normally hear of someone like saying, okay, cool. Let's try a different church now. So it's just, it's a, it's a, you know, it's it's its own denomination. It's still under, you know, Christianity, but it's, it's definitely different. So, um, for them to just be willing to kind of try something different was, was really incredible. Something that we felt was a better fit for our family. Can you take us
0: back to when you were a little girl and how kind of your faith and your family and that kind of upbringing molded you as a human being, as a person, and how that, uh, like what sort of meaning that had in your life um, to the point where you'd sort of evolve with your parents and your family?
2: Yeah, Um, I just, you know, I think that when you're raised with faith like that, you know, religious values call us to be kind and merciful. And so when you really you know, it just helped me grow, grow, me into a very empathetic and compassionate person who, you know, it teaches you to, to sort of think outside of yourself and serve and not be served and, um, you know, care for the least of the least and, uh, you know, all of those things that we learn in the Bible. And so I definitely was able to extend that compassion to animals, um, and realize that it really does go hand in hand with, my ethics and and I'm able to, um, you know, make sure that my, you know, what my beliefs are and my values, they align with my actions.
1: As I mentioned, I grew up non-religious. I, I just didn't, my grandma went to church. I grew up with my grandma and she went to church, but that was her own thing. And she never, she never made me do anything I didn't want to do. And I, and I never felt compelled to learn about it. And so I just grew up with this whole piece that so many people make a huge part of their lives and identities even. And uh, and this past year or so, I really dove into a lot of religious books, specifically Christian and Catholic books, because I had gone to college um, just a few years ago. I finished college and it was a Catholic school. So I, that was my introduction. And then I started learning all about Christianity and all the things that you mentioned of serving the underserved and being loving and compassionate and forgiving. And it really, really just called to me that message. And um, although I'm still not religious, I am a big fan of Jesus Christ. I think that as a, as someone to inspire you and um, to, yeah, a role model to give you an example of what is good and how to treat people and how to be loving. Uh, I I really, really love that idea and that just, just called to me. So I would love to hear more about that with veganism. When I was reading something, there's this actually this one book in particular. Um it was about how about how Christianity doesn't have to be an all or nothing thing and it doesn't have to be extreme. Maybe there are examples of people who have been extreme and it was a turnoff to you, but it doesn't need to be that way. And the whole time I kept on thinking about veganism. Every time he said Christianity, I swapped (laughs) it in with veganism because veganism has been my, a big part of my life and identity for so long that it, really resonated with me in that way. And there are a lot of people who are extreme and who say it needs to be all or nothing. And there were just so many parallels. So can you talk a little bit about uh, how those two concepts go together? You said for you, it was married in your job, uh, but how in general is it married?
2: Yeah. Yeah, you're right. There are so many parallels. It's crazy. Um, And I think one of the verses that kind of sticks out to me is in Matthew and it talks about like how wide is the gate and broad is the road that leads to destruction and many enter it. Um, But small is the gate and narrow is the road that leads to life. And of course that's referring to Jesus, um, you know, as our savior. But I really do see that, you know, in, in the work we do for animals too, where we do feel a lot of times like, oh my gosh, like, you know, I'm living in this, I'm in this world, but I'm not of this world. And that's exactly how, you know, it feels like with your faith sometimes.
1: I know that a lot of people who are listening probably have grown up with religion or have chosen religion on their own. What advice do you have for people who are really involved in their church or their uh, prayer groups or their Bible studies and are not really accommodated? I know that I went to church with one of my very good friends, Anna, and she's super involved in her church. She sings in the choir, she volunteers, and is just super involved and active, but they're not very accommodating to veganism. And I think that she is helping change that. But for people who are just stepping into vegan veganism themselves or p- starting plant-based eating, what advice do you give to get started in making the church or group more plant-based friendly?
2: Yeah, that's a great question. And that is a huge thing that we struggle with, um, of course, as people who are vegan or vegetarian in our faith communities, because it's, you know, our churches or wherever we're going, our places of worship, those are sort of our safe places. They're our refuge. And so we want it to feel safe. And then when we hear something or see something that feels contradictory to what we believe, it's really challenging. But a lot of times what I tell people is just try and stand firm and stay put, because I really believe that. God has us first in certain places for a reason. And so I really believe that we are to be that voice for animals in that place. And so it's really a lot about, um, I think that it's, it's kind of planting those seeds, you know, and it's like, a parallel, like with religion or with animals, it's like, you're constantly like planting seeds. You're sometimes people need to hear something seven times or more to really let it kind of sink in. And so you're there to be that voice for them in that community. And especially if you're not seeing much there that's you're, you're even more, you know, it's even more important that you are there their presence um, and to build relationships with people, to build their trust. um, And then they're going to want to get to know you more. They're going to want to get to know your heart and what you care about. And they're going to start caring about what you care about. Cause that's truly what it's like living in a faith community. You start carrying each other's burdens. And I have seen that personally in, you know, my church and um, throughout the years, but also in like the small groups that I'm in. Um, For example, there's one really great group out here. It's a bunch of women. And we kind of, um, we've learned about each other through, you know, as the time goes on and we get to know more about what we care about. And so we kind of did this um, series where you know we kind of almost talked about different social justice issues, like that each girl was kind of passionate about, and it was so cool because we all were able to be a little bit more enlightened about issues, but also carry that you know the heart of that girl. And through that, you know, you really do. They're they're now a lot more compassionate. They understand more. Some of them are are on their own, you know, starting to look into more plant based options. Um, they're encouraged. They know okay, there's other people doing this too. I've got a resource. Um, but it's, you know, it's really, um, it's just, that's a great way to do it. And then you see them starting to become more inclusive too. So when I go to group now, it's really heartwarming because a lot of them will bring vegan or plant-based options because they know I'll be able to enjoy that too. Um, and then other people, everyone can eat it. It's a very inclusive thing. So I definitely think just, you know, being that voice, um, for me, a lot of times at church, like all. I'll kind of like notice, even like, I think it was like a month ago, we had an event at church and they were providing a meal. And so there's, you know, one section for like a, you know, vegetarian option. And it was like a a veggie burger. And I went over there and, you know, not as many people were going, but there were, and so when people would come over and get the veggie burger, I'd be sure to ask them about it. You know, oh, that's great. You know, what, what inspires you to like make this choice or whatever. And from there you can start building more of a network within your church and you will realize, like, you are supported. You have those other people. There are people there. Um, and so slowly you can kind of start building up a network. Um, I also, like, there's a lot of things you could do. I mean, you could even show, like, a screening of a film one night. And, you know, maybe it's, like, Forks Over Knives. Or um, we have a really cool documentary, e- Eating Mercifully. But that's a cool way to attract, you know, like-minded people. And then you can start realizing, okay, there's more people here. I have this support. And I think that's so important.
1: Yeah. And I think that what you said, especially at the beginning, is powerful in general. Being nice and friendly and building strong relationships as you would normally really makes a huge impact in how people treat you and how they want to know more about you and how they will come to accommodate you. I know that my friend Anna, who I mentioned earlier, she was not... a very, she she grew up eating a lot of the same foods that you grew up eating and um that is how she cooked as an adult and our friendship has led her to being more plant-based leaning and she's really active in our church and because of her experience with me she has become so much more conscious of accommodating people who may not feel um very um like I'm trying to think of that right word, um, like confident enough to 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 say, hey, this is what I eat. So she just wants to always have the vegan option available. And she has made that change several times at the church already. One being when they feed people on Thanksgiving. Now there's a, a vegan section. And then another, uh, the day before Christmas Eve, she invited me to go help her feed um, homeless people who were... Being housed at the church that week, and uh, she made a vegan a vegan option, which she made for me to serve, and I just thought that that was so nice and considerate to all of the people who maybe not just um, like they don't want to be a burden on anyone with their diets, so they may not say anything. And she was just considerate of that from the beginning. So yeah, that's that's super cool.
2: That's nice. And you mentioned, you know, like Christmas too. And I think that's another thing we can use to our advantage. Like if you are in a, you know, in a community where you're not really seeing many options is kind of use those holidays and those traditions sort of to your advantage where they're already talking about these things. So like that could be Lent, you know, people are already talking about, Hey, let's go meatless over Lent. Um, you know, you could talk about like doing a compassionate Christmas, or if you celebrate, uh, you know, a lot of a lot of churches besides, you know, Catholic churches now do a St. Francis Day celebration or a blessing of the animals. And that's a really great time too, because the conversation is already happening. So kind of take that and run with it and be like, awesome. How can we continue blessing animals throughout the year? What does that look like? You know, I even did this fun little like taste test challenge at church one time with these like Tofurky sausages to kind of see like, if they could tell the difference and, you know, what they thought of it. And it was a lot of fun. Um, Or you can do like a fun, like chili cook off or something, see who makes the best vegan chili. Um, But there's definitely like cool things you can do um, to kind of weave in that message for things that you're already, you know, kind of celebrating. And again, like you're kind of saying, you know, just remembering that people, most people are, they want, they want to be kind. They're against cruelty. And so if we just like assume the best in people, um, that's really like where we start. And then I find like, certain things that will come up. I always, there's a way that I'll say it to really try and like keep their defenses down because this can seem like, this can feel like a, you know, a subject that people can get really riled up about. And so it's just a matter of like meeting them at their level, keeping their defenses down so that they're willing to kind of listen to what you have to say.
1: Yeah. I, I want to, you said, assume the best in people. And that reminded me of something last week on my other podcast the business for good podcast that I do with my fiance uh, we interviewed someone who is actually also from LA his name is father Greg Boyle he runs homeboy Industries and it's a really fantastic organization you can listen to all you can listen to it on my episode but what he talked about was um, his concept was having boundless compassion, even compassion for people who may think differently than you or be different than you or have even done things you find offensive. And in his words, he said, love the victims and the victimizer alike. And he when he was talking about that, it really made me think about my work with um, with veganism and and animal rights, where, There are so many people who aren't on the same page as me. They feel strongly that hunting is okay or farming is okay. And I've talked to farmers who are five generations in. I'm not going to be changing their mind anytime soon. So can you talk a little bit about having compassion for those people too, even though they may feel differently or be different
2: or uh, even opposed to your message and beliefs? Yeah. And that's, you know, again, kind of a central theme of you know, the Bible is to just, you know, our job is to just, you know, is to love and, um, and, you know, meet people where they're at. And so I think we just have to learn to accept people and understand we all come from different journeys. We can't, we can't understand where people are coming from and we can't be quick to judge them, um, based on, you know, their beliefs at the moment, because we haven't walked in their shoes. And that's just really what empathy is, is learning to put yourself in someone else's position and try and see it from their perspective. Um, and yeah, just to meet them where, they're at. Um, so I don't know, maybe an example is like, you know, if I'm, if I'm talking to someone, you know, and they might say something that, that really hurts me where it might be like, well, God gave us animals to eat, you know, or we have dominion over animals or something like that. And, um, I, you know, I don't necessarily try and debate them. I don't go down some theological rabbit trail with them. I don't try and disprove what they truly believe in their heart. I will just try and meet them where they're at and and accept them and say, you know, um, okay, well that's, you know, that's, you know, I'm not going to disagree with that, but I'm going to say, but do you think, you know, that God would approve of the way that we're treating animals today? You know, on these modern factory farms where um, God has given these animals these, le- you know, these legs to move and these wings to fly and these feelings of joy and pain alike. And, and this desire to act out in their natural God-given abilities. But do you think he would approve of us treating them in this way where they are stripped of all of those, you know, and they languish in these pens, unable to move and something like that, you know, they might at least be like, okay, well, you're right that yeah, you're right. That That's not, that's not good. And then you can kind of start a conversation, you know, and then you can kind of go from there and maybe then they're willing to maybe hear you and maybe they're willing to try some stuff. Maybe they can try meatless Monday or they can, um, swap out, you know, milk for almond milk or they can start down that journey. And so, um, yeah, so just not, not judging anybody's story. And you see a lot of times too. I mean, there's some really cool stories of people who maybe once were, were, you know, they were, you know, killing animals or they were, um, there's a friend of mine in Denver. He actually used to work on a fur farm and he would be the one, you know, doing, you know, killing animals. And now he's one of like the greatest activists in Denver. And so you just don't know their stories. And a lot of times we can make our mess, our ministry. And so a lot of times God will use those things that we've been through to end up, you know, switching it, flipping it on its, you know, on its end and being able to use that for good. Um, he makes all things work together for good. And so a lot of times where we come from, we can then use that story and it can fuel us to make the world better. Um, you know, because we are, we know what's actually going on.
0: That's a really beautiful response that you shared to those common questions that I think so many of us who eat plant based or are vegan get so often that, you know, animals were put here for humans to eat and this is how it's meant to be. And I know as someone who I grew up Jewish, um, and I'm kind of culturally Jewish, but I'm non religious and I I um I I know very little about the religious realm so when I get into those conversations with people I I'm like I don't I don't really know what to say or what to share or like how to connect or um I I haven't read what they've read to make them believe that so I so I it's really helpful to hear like how to approach that in a non-confrontational way and something that's not going to like shut down the conversation or create animosity but just like create an openness and a and a connection um, even when you're coming from two very different places, just finding, finding that middle ground that everyone agrees on is really helpful. Actually,
1: uh, would you, Michelle, talk a little bit about uh, how you can be accommodating to vegetarianism and veganism as a Jewish person? Uh, I know that there are some, so I'm getting married to someone who's Jewish, and now I'm stepping into this big world of, Judaism and, uh, learning what Passover foods are and what matzah is. And and I didn't even really know any Jewish people before I grew up, not around any Jewish people. So you and, and Paul are pretty much my only Jewish friends. So could you talk a little bit about the foods and if you are Jewish, is it possible to accommodate veganism and still be part of your culture?
0: Yeah, absolutely. Or religion. Yeah, it's it's actually re- really pretty easy, uh, similar to what you guys are saying. Like in in the Jewish faith, I guess, uh, compassion and uh, kindness and uh, and all of those kind of moral elements are extraordinarily important. Um, almost more so taught than. Any sort of like belief in a higher power, or anything like that—it's—it's it's first and foremost like what we're doing here on this planet and and being kind to others. And so that concept already generally resonates across the board. And while most people who are Jewish are not also vegan, haven't really made those connections yet. Um, the food, the cultural Jewish food, is largely pretty easy to veganize. Like there's meat. And then most everything else can can be made vegan, um, which is really exciting. I went to Israel on Birthright several years ago, and I I was kind of worried that it was going to be difficult to find vegan options. I wasn't going to have control over like where we'd be eating, what foods we'd be able to find, and because um, of like cult, uh, kosher rules, where you don't have meat and dairy in the same meal. Like if there was meat served, then all the other dishes were usually vegan, which was really, really cool. It made it really easy, uh, to kind of navigate and yeah, Tony, we'll have to do like a, a vegan Passover and I've done like vegan latkes for Hanukkah and vegan challah. And you can get all of that. I highly recommend, um, for anyone looking for Jewish resources, there's someone named Kendon who runs the blog Jewish food hero, and she has like eBooks that show you how to handle kind of every different Jewish holiday or tradition or anything uh, veganized. So she has great resources.
1: You mentioned that you went on birthright. Did you recently
0: tell me that there's a vegan birthright now? Oh my gosh, yes. I wish that existed when I had gone, but (laughs) times are changing. The vegan scene in Israel is exploding. They're like one of the most progressive countries out there in terms of uh, kind of taking action on animal issues and just the culture there's Changing, changing, and grasping onto those concepts so fast and furiously, and there's vegan restaurants popping up everywhere. It's just like the vegan scene there is hot, and so some um, people who help kind of in the vegan space in the United States have organized vegan birthrights, and so it helps uh, kids who are Jewish basically travel to Israel one time in their life uh, with like a, a group and everything, and then they. Yeah, I get to visit vegan restaurants and have that whole experience there, which is really, really cool.
1: That is really cool. I'm going to Israel in, in a couple months with Paul's family for their um, 50th wedding anniversary. And uh, we I am so excited about all of the food that I'm about to eat.
0: The hummus is unreal. Oh, my gosh. Best hummus ever is in Israel. So, uh, Deanne, what resources do you
1: recommend for people who are both vegan and uh, Christian?
0: And also for people who are communicating with people who are are not Christian or not religious, but want to provide those resources for people.
2: Yeah. So um, I would say, I mean, I guess if they're not, I would, I mean, it would probably just be the typical like vegan materials, but if they are a person of faith, then I really like, um, the eating mercifully documentary that we have. Um, where can they find that? Yeah. So that one can be, you can actually watch that on YouTube. You could just look it up eating mercifully, um, HSUS. And that's like a short little documentary. It talks about kind of, you know, faith perspectives on sort of factory farming and our food choices, um, from a Christian perspective. So we interview like pastors and farmers in that. That's a good one. Um, Sacred Duty, I believe it's called, is a good one for like the Jewish community. Um, there's great books. There's a Dominion by Matthew Scully. There's I really like um actually Tony, your fiancé, gave me um the book Dominion of Love, and that's by Norm Phelps, and I really loved that book. That is a great one. Um, there's like vegangelical, obviously the Bible. Um, and then there's, you know, resources like finding groups online. I mean, even Facebook is a great resource. You can find like there's a vegan spirituality group. There's like Christian vegan groups. I think it's so important to plug into those communities um, to know you're supported and have a safe place to talk about stuff that's really tough and that you might be dealing with that other people don't understand. So definitely like plugging into community, um, you know, there's books, there's, you know, great documentaries and resources like that. Um, we, you can obviously plug into like, um, you know, different, like we have volunteers in the faith outreach program at the humane society of the United States. And that's kind of another fun resource just to know that you're not alone and that we have different ways for you to plug into your communities. Um, there's creature kind. They're another great group that, that does this, um, you know, we have friends at Jewish Initiative for Animals. They're working on these issues. So there's a lot of there's a lot of resources out there.
0: Yeah, when I was in um, Cleveland, I went to college in, in Cleveland at Case Western, and I had connected with Steve Kaufman, who I believe is the founder of the Christian Vegetarian Association, um, and had like a lot of a lot of resources and kind of had created a community in the Ohio area, which was it was rare to even find someone who's vegan in Ohio at that time, and so to have that specific resource for people was cool. Um, yeah. And I know there's a organization called Jewish veg as well. That has a lot of, for anyone, uh, looking for Jewish veg resources, that's a good one too.
1: And do you know of any like community meetups or camps or like some, something where people can go get physical support if they wanted to? So they would show up and meet like-minded people. Do you have any, uh, resources like that to offer?
2: Yeah. So the, you know, the vegan spirituality group is pretty great about doing that. Um, they, they will do like different meetups and events. We try and do that with, you know, with when we have enough volunteers in like one area, ideally, but a lot of people are kind of so spread out. Um, but occasionally, you know, there'll be different opportunities. Um, let's see, you know, um, we did a we did a little retreat with Creature Kind and Sarah Withero King um, what a couple years ago which was nice so yeah I think just once you get plugged into groups you'll become more aware of those things that start happening um, in person. And, and then also, you know, we, we encourage people to really start, you know, if you don't have that already, then maybe, maybe that's on your heart so that you're the person who starts it. And so if you're at a church where there isn't anything like that, maybe you can start like an animal me- uh, welfare ministry or a little small group when you start talking about these things, creation care or something like that. So we definitely encourage people to start up things if there isn't already something.
1: And can you tell us some things that you've done that have worked for you in the past
2: Yeah. I mean, really just plugging in, like I said, you know, if I'm aware of, you know, other people are eating or their choices at church, I'll just like definitely be outspoken and be like, oh my gosh, that's great. You know, and get to know people that way and start building up a network or like, you know, with our small group, when we started um, sharing, you know, different issues that are heavy on our hearts. um, I think those are things that have really helped and just being in community, whether that's within your church or, you know, in even if it's just a vegan community, at least you've got that. And then from there you'll find, you know, you can slowly, you know, start building up more people um, of faith. But it it can take time, you know, to to find them.
1: Well, thank you so much for sharing your story and for all of the great resources that you provided. I'm gonna link everything in the show notes on our website, Plant Powered People Podcast. So my friend, Anna, as I keep talking about her, she's one of my closest friends. She was she goes to church every Sunday. As I mentioned, she sings in the choir and she knows the Bible in and out. She can quote you all of the scripture if you want. And one thing that she said that she didn't realize a long time ago before she met me was that there was this passage, and I can't remember what it is, but um, God is talking to this man, and I can't remember his name. And he's he's talking about how— uh, so many people are going to be hurt by his decision, people and, uh, blah, 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 and the cattle. And that's how it ends. And she said she had never heard of that part until she started caring more about how animals feel. And I was wondering if there's any, if there, if there are other places in the Bible where
2: it is clear that God really cares about animals. Yeah, that's a great question. And you're right. Sometimes we kind of skip over those things or we don't pick up on it. And so it is important for us to realize like how full, of this, this message, the Bible is. Um, so like a very clear scripture is Proverbs 12, 10. that says the godly care for the needs of their animals. Um, but the kindest acts of the wicked are always cruel. And then Psalm 36, six is similar. He, it says that God cares for people and animals alike. Um, but even more than just specific scripture, it's about like you know, looking at you know God. God created animals. He loves them. He blesses them. He forms covenants with them. Um, look at like the care and the creativity that He used in creating all these different species of animals. Um, it's it's incredible. And I think a lot of times people don't realize like what the what the original purpose was of animals. So w- so when you look back at Genesis 2:18. It says, um, you know, that God was, he created Adam and he was like, you know, it's not good that you're alone. So I'm going to make a helper fit for you. And then out of the ground, the Lord formed every beast of the field, every bird of the heavens. And he ended up bringing them all to the man to see what he would call them. And then whatever Adam, you know, called every living creature was its name. So this is the livestock, the birds, every beast of the fields. And, and then after that, you know, God realized. Well, they basically said, "Okay, this was there was no helper like you know suitable for Adam in the sense of like a companion." So God created Eve. However, God created these animals as companions. And what I love about this this verse too is that the first task of Adam was to name animals. When you name animals, that signifies a relationship. This is not like oh this tyranny. You know, it is about we are going to do life together. You're my companions. And, um, so the Bible has this beautiful, um, display of stewardship. And a lot of people get this idea of dominion really, really mixed up. Um, but in the, but dominion in the Bible is it's a biblical dominion. So it's, it's meaning stewardship to take care of something and to really reflect that same compassion and mercy on animals as God bestows upon us. And so when you look at like, Psalm 24, one, it says the earth is the Lord's and all it contains. That tells us that everything is God's. It's not ours. It's God's. It belongs to him. So we can't just do whatever we want with everything, you know? So we are, God has entrusted us in the care of his animals and his environment. So we're responsible and we will be um, accountable to how we treat the animals in the earth Uh, to him. And so it's so important that we really grasp that idea that they're not ours, that we are caring for them. Um, And, you know, and and again, in Genesis, God says now cultivate and take care of the garden. So we're to take care of these animals, um, to speak up for those who can't speak for themselves. That's in Proverbs. And so really just understanding like that is so important um, and then of course I can talk about food too. <laughs> That's a whole nother thing.
1: Yeah, I'd love to hear about the. Obviously I would love to hear about the food. I love food. <laughs>
2: Yeah, but so I think first it's good to understand kind of that, so where God's heart is with His creatures, um, and then you know on top of that, I think it's really you know a lot of people don't don't love to hear this if they're eating animals, but it's very very clear in the Bible, In the very first you know book Genesis one twenty nine, God says, I have given you every seed bearing plant on the face of the earth and every fruit tree. Um, for you, it will be food. And actually, if you look at older translations, um, like King James, that that word for food can actually say meat. So he's given us that for our, our meat or our food. And when he did that too, he, he saw, he saw everything that he did and he said it was very good. Um, and so I just like for us to remember, like, you know, our bodies, they're the temples of the Holy spirit. Well, as believers. So, um, you know, Romans talks about that actually the the true and proper way to worship God is to basically offer our bodies as a living sacrifice. So to put so so ne- not necessarily like so to put other needs before ours you know we're here as sort of these servants we're here to to be used and so um we're not to like run around chasing every craving or doing whatever we want to these bodies that house god and the holy spirit um and so we really do need to care for those bodies and god cares about you know our health it's very important our health and one story that i like is um the story of daniel when uh, there's a story where King Nebuchadnezzar basically ordered all these men to come serve at the palace. And one of those people was Daniel. And he did not want to defile himself with the royal food and the wine at the palace. So he asked, you know, can you, can I, he asked for permission to basically eat his own food. And he said, can you test me for 10 days? Give me nothing but vegetables, nothing but water, me and, you know, my friends here and compare us, you know, at the end um, to the men who eat the Royal food and then decide what you want from there. Um, and at the end of those 10 days, and this is where that Daniel's fast comes from that a lot of people know about. Um, at the end of those 10 days, they, they were healthier. They were better nourished than any of the men eating the Royal food, which is very, you know, it's very fattening. It's full of wine and kind of, um, you know, these foods that don't nourish your body. And I love at the end, I'll read it. It says, to these four young men, God gave knowledge and understanding of all kinds of literature and learning. And Daniel could understand visions and dreams of all kinds in every matter of wisdom and understanding about which the king questioned them. He found them 10 times better than any of the others in his whole kingdom. And it's almost like he was blessed because of this, because he, you know, showed like, i you know, from eating these vegetables. So I think that's important. And then we just see how, you know, we're essentially killing ourselves by the food that we're eating. You know, these animal products are the leading causes of death in our country. Um, And so, you know, it's just important that we recognize that, that that was not God's ideal. And I do believe that, you know, after sin entered the world, this, this curse sort of fell on creation. Um, God's ideal plan was thwarted and this is not ideally what he wants for us, but because he gives us free will, we can essentially make whatever decision we want. We eat, we can eat what we want. He's not going to force us to do anything. Um, but you know, like one Corinthians says, everything is permissible, but not everything is beneficial. And it's important for us to, you know, use these brains that God gave us and make that decision for ourselves, what we think is best.
0: It's so crazy to me that these stories exist from so far in the past, like a 10 day, basically vegan cleanse. And then we like sharing how, how beneficial that is. And like just today we're starting to like someone will go through that and everyone will look upon it and be like, Oh my God, I would have had no idea. I'd feel so healthy. And it's like crazy that these stories exist from the past. Tony and I just made a doc, a mini documentary called seven days where, um, Raul went, uh, who had been eating, you know, standard American fast food diet, ate totally fully plant-based for seven days. And, uh, the results were just incredible. And we documented it in the film and, uh, yeah, it's it's just so fascinating, cool to me that that these stories exist from so long ago. Yet, yet we, they just seem to be sort of forgotten by most of by most of society.
2: <laughs> yeah,
1: exactly. All right, Dion. Well, we are so grateful for having you on the show and for sharing all of your knowledge. I know that I find this stuff so fascinating, and I, I believe that uh, people who are believers uh, or not will gain something out of this, even if it's just how to talk to people who use the Bible to put down vegetarianism. So yeah, I'm just so grateful that you have come on to share your wisdom. Yeah. And
2: thank you for all your work in this space. Thank you. Yeah. And hopefully it's encouraging and, and just for people to know, because sometimes this work can feel really overwhelming and um, just know that, you know, this, I believe this time of peace and this restored Eden is coming where nature will return to its intended balance and harmony and people and animals alike will, will again live together in harmony um, and just like Isaiah talks about, you know, that, that, you know, there will be a day where the wolf and the lamb will live together and all these animals and the little child will lead them and nothing will hurt or destroy all in his holy mountain. And so we just, yeah, just keep going and, um, faith that what we're doing is so important. Um, every animal we help, it makes a difference and that one day there will be no more suffering.
1: That is a beautiful message to go out on. Thanks, Deanne. Thank Thanks you. so much, girl. Big thank you to Deanne for coming on the podcast and sharing her experience. We hope that you got something out of it. We sure did. I am feeling very equipped to have more religious discussions. I have, as I mentioned in the podcast episode, a lot of friends, especially Anna Weatherby. What's up, Anna?
0: Uh, So yeah, I'm, I'm just feeling really good about it. Yes. Thank you so, so much, Deanne. For all those listening, if you want to check out the show notes from this episode, head over to plantpoweredpodcast.com. And you can see all of our different episodes there as well as the show notes and everything that Deanne mentioned here in this episode. Today, we link that for you right there. Um, And I also hope that if you haven't already, you'll check out the mini documentary that Tony and I came out with recently called Seven Days with Raul. You can check that out at 7daysdoc.com. It's just 14 minutes long and it's super inspiring if you want some health inspiration and to learn uh, some pretty cool things about plant-powered living I highly recommend you check that out and it would mean the world to us if you'd share it and comment on it on YouTube and all of those things Um, it makes us so so happy all right thanks again we'll catch you on the next episode Bye. bye